Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sophie. I'm Yelly. And this is She's All Fat. The podcast for fat positivity, radical self-love, and chill vibes only. Now in our final season. In this episode, we're covering ethical fat fashion with Marielle Elizabeth. But first, our news corner. Mail's here. It's mail time. We got some love letters from the fat Meline. In Blue's Clues, Steve goes, mailbox, I'm so happy you're here. So I'll say, Yelly, I'm so happy you're here. I'm going to sit down and have my handy dandy recorder and you tell me what's in the SAF mailbox. (laughs) Well, we've got a very special letter from Hannah who says, I don't remember how or when I found SAF. All I know is that it changed my life. It came to me when I had just started flirting with body positivity and fat liberation. The pod was a revelation. I listened to it on the subway, in the shower, while I was doing dishes. It slowly replaced my negative inner thoughts with a whole new powerful ideology. It made me feel less alone and so much more powerful. One episode that stuck with me was Spilling the Disability with Alex Locust. I don't think I'd ever heard a straight-sized person whose body is otherwise marginalized express interest in fat liberation. Fatness is so intersectional. Thank you to Sophie, April, and everyone who has ever been involved in the production of SAF. We'll miss the show so much, but I know the family will carry the message forward. Oh, thank you, Hannah. I also, I think about our The Spilling the Disability episode all the time, too. I literally, just a little side note story here. I've been taking a teen into some like teen size clothing stores and none of them have obviously anything plus size so every time I go in I go up to the front and I'm like could I give you some feedback to pass on to the higher ups and they're always like yeah what I'm like there's no plus size. I can't fit in anything in this store and that makes me uncomfortable and they're always like oh my god I'm so sorry blah blah so I did that in like a lululemon like three different lululemons recently and the most recent one I did it in they were like oh my god yeah like let me write down the name of your podcast blah blah and I always put like they're always like oh yeah we're we're trying to do some workshops and I was like you know who does really good workshops and I drop Alex's name because I'm not right I'm not really interested in talking to like somebody mid-level corporate at at Mm -hmm. Lulu but maybe Alex would and get paid for it so I highly recommend trying to bring in Alex for any kind of workshop because the workshop that I went to was real great I love Totally. I remember that episode came out at the point where like I hadn't really started working for SAF in like full capacity yet. And I remember listening to that episode as a listener and also being like, oh, this is so cool. I love this one. I loved talking to him about that and like learning about them and their like the just the whole thing. I'm very proud 
of Alex. I think their work is so cool. <laughs> Thank you, Hannah. And check the show notes for our Google form to write your love letter to the family in our final season. Family, you know the spiel by now. It's your last chance to join our Patreon. The money from this season will be used to maintain our site and ensure you can listen to the pod long after our finale. When you join our Patreon at Team Paisley, Moo Moo, or above, that's $7 a month, you get access to our legendary patron-only Facebook group, where people are talking about fat, sustainable fashion, which goes perfectly with this episode, fat wins, and swimsuits. You'll also get a bonus minisode every Friday. This season, we're doing something new and exciting for these minis. That's right. We're doing a big sister mailbag. Each week, we're taking your questions about living, laughing, loving, and answering like the big sisters we both are. Stick around to the end of the episode for a sneak preve. In conclusion, now's the perfect time to go to patreon.com slash she's all fat pod and make a pledge to help your fave fatties and future family members. Before we get to the episode, a family member reached out to us recently and let us know that some of the language we've been using is ableist in some of our past episodes. We truly apologize for the harm we've caused our amazing disabled fatties and for perpetuating those ableist ideas through our word choices. This family member also provided us with a really handy and comprehensive resource that has lots of examples of ableist words and phrases that are unfortunately super common, and it also explains why they're harmful. We've linked this stock in the show notes and encourage any non-disabled or uneducated and disabled like me listeners to look through it, educate themselves and adjust their language as well. And thank you to this listener for calling us in. That's all our news for this week. Now let's get into some ethically made plus size robes and get into the episode. <laughs> We've done a few episodes on fat fashion. Can you blame us? And we're going to link those in the show notes. But it's about time we had on Marielle. Yes, I've been wanting to have her on forever. Family, you might know Marielle from The List, her curation of ethically made clothing brands that go above a size 18. Marielle has been a really important advocate for fat folks in the ethical fashion movement. She's written for Vogue and The Cut about the future of sustainable fat fashion and fat phobia on the red carpet. I love to just scroll through Marielle's Instagram. She's a photographer and a babe and treat it like the plus size magazine spread we never get in the mainstream. And then mixed in is Marielle like hardcore walking brands through protecting their fat clientele. Okay, enough of us talking this queen up. Let's hear from Marielle herself. Here's the episode. Family, I am here with my friend Marielle. You know her from at Marielle Elizabeth on Instagram and other places. She is a photographer, writer, and as her Twitter bio says, a plus size lady trying to dress herself. Thank you for being here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be chatting with you about plus size fashion. What kind of things are you working on right now? What's going on in the plus size world? Give me an update since I haven't been on Instagram. I haven't seen any of the fashion. What's going on? there great um lots <laughs> uh, <laughs> firstly i think that we are finally starting to turn the corner uh within at least from my perspective where i really focus ethical and sustainable fashion finally expanding beyond a 3x which yeah. like for me is like just an absolute joy to see 
I am seeing more and more brands do their size expansion up to a 6X, which feels like a huge shift from yes. even just five years ago when uh, basically yes. every brand would call an XXL their plus size line. Yes. And, and then like be like, well, solved that problem. It's even different from like th- Two, three years ago when I was doing my like plus size fashion episodes and most of the places I talked to were like, we're pushing boundaries by being a 4X. And I was like, okay, but it seems like there's more and more now. Yes. So that's something that I am extremely excited about is just like really seeing plus sizing start to reach higher sizes. It's still not enough. We still have more room to go. There are still people that are being underserved and unserved by fashion in general, let alone ethical and sustainable fashion but we are getting slightly more inclusive and like (laughs) as a person that's been doing this for almost 10 years I just like I'll take it I will take the progress because the progress means that the response brands are getting is finally starting to sink into a place of action. So that's one thing I'm very excited about. And the other thing I'm really excited about is starting to see more trend pieces available in plus sizes, again, through my lens of ethical and sustainable fashion of like ethical and sustainable fashion. Don't get me wrong. I love a linen set. I will still wear a linen set. I look so hot in a like a linen outfit. Yeah, you do. I associate you strongly with a linen outfit. Which is fair. A lot of my closet still is. But I would say that there is a certain point where if all of your closet is linen neutrals, you do (laughs) maybe look like you're gonna start a really expensive cult. And like, again, of the like personas for which people to confuse me with not the worst one not the worst but it is really exciting to see more diversity in fabric in style in cut in amount of skin showing because it means that more people can dress in a way that represents how they see themselves and i think with you know ethical fashion starting in a very like monochromatic linen silk a larger looser silhouettes it like it just doesn't identify with younger people or people that are more drawn to kind of that trend space within fashion and that fun within fashion yeah that i'm starting to see begin to exist not just in ethical and sustainable fashion period but in ethical and sustainable fat fashion which is like they finally got the memo we have enough black, loose, (laughs) oversized garments. Give me something that shows off all of my body, please. Yes. Well, I can see right now, I was going to ask, are you wearing the Tamara Mollis dress? Is that what you're wearing? I was looking at it literally yesterday. I was trying to figure out if I should get it or not. It looks cute on you. Yes. I am wearing the Tamara Mollis uh, impressionist dress, and I also got the matching bike shorts. Is it cute? Is I want you to turn around for me. (laughs) I want to see what it looks like on you. I'm sitting, so it's not happening. I'll do a spin for you later. (laughs) Uh, I'm also braless, which I was like, this won't matter for a podcast oh my god uh, well, it doesn't matter for me i i could see you i'm braless in honor of i don't know if you saw ad bryant posted a story this morning so victoria's secret just announced they have like a bunch of new angels uh and i did see that ad posted an instagram story saying like i'm hopping on to let you know i'm one of victoria's secrets new devils we just don't <laughs> wear bras uh, and i was like that's it that's the mood that's the person i oh want to be god. that's like so i'm yeah i'm wearing a tamales dress braless per the Victoria's 
Secret Devils mandate. Victoria's Secret Devils. Oh, I love that. I'm also not wearing a bra. Team no bra for life. Are you wearing an arc top? I am wearing an arc top. I oh my god, yes. I know purple color. I know the strap yes. in purple. I just ordered my I previously had underwear. I buy cotton underwear only because I get I mean, okay, now we're just we're just into it, family. We I buy <laughs> cotton underwear only because otherwise I get yeast infections like yeah. all the time. Yeah. So I've been like, but I have just like 20 black pairs of like granny panties from like Avenue from like four years ago. So I was trying to figure out new cute underwear to get and I didn't want to just Amazon it, but I wasn't sure what to get. And I got a couple ARC sets and I love them. They're so great. I need more because I don't want to just have like three sets of underwear that I've paid like $40 a pair. Yeah. For. They like, they it spirals out of control very quickly. Yes. So I am an ARC convert. Yes. When they launch their, because they only launched, ARC's a great example. They only launched a 3XL two years ago mm-hmm. and I bought two pairs because I was suspicious. I always buy ethically made or like plus size clothing in general with like an undercut of suspicion Me of too. like how will it actually fit. So I bought two pairs when they first came out and I got them and I'm like, oh, so everything like when I wear underwear and then clothes over top of it, the reason my clothes immediately smell like my vagina is because my underwear is made of either my underwear is either made of like plastic and therefore garbage because it's all polyester or the underwear I'm wearing is like G-strings from high school, which is over yes. 10 years ago for me in yep. my life. And so like <laughs> that underwear has given up. That underwear is at yeah. this point like wearing a coffee filter as underwear. Yeah. Uh, it's a loose suggestion of what what underwear could be <laughs> and so yeah yep, I put a I put a leg through one of my old avenue pairs and the elastic <laughs> around the side came with my foot and I was like all right it's time I need to buy some new and that's underwear. the problem with arc underwear is it's like you buy three pairs and you're like oh shit this is yes. underwear but then you're like oh god I just dropped 120 dollars on three pairs of underwear so it's taken me yes. two years but I think I'm finally in a place where I have enough underwear to like make it through a week Oh my god. Literally, I was sitting here thinking earlier today, like, what else? I need to buy something else. Well, first of all, because I do have some pants that the ARC underwear that I bought won't work with because it needs to be more low rise. But I don't want actual, I'm not wearing actual low rise, you understand. I just don't have a butt. So like the underwear (laughs) goes up high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You understand. So I need some plus size, just plain cotton underwear. But now now I'm like wearing the ARC around all the time as if I can wear them multiple days in a row because I'm just obsessed with them. I was like, okay, I need to do something else. But yes, anyways, I did the same thing. I also, I'm sure part of why I wanted to talk to you is because I'm sure like many other people, I have no idea what my fashion sense is right now after a year and a half of being not even in nice cozies. You know what I mean? I was in my garbage cozies for a year and a half. I've worn them so much I don't want to look at them anymore. Some of them were so bad I threw them away and cut them up for rags instead of like donating anywhere because they because I wore them like 300 days. You know what I mean? A lot of my like I wear a lot of t-shirts when I work from home. I'm a big proponent. I like ugh don't love the brand in the sense of they only make one plus size thing and it's not even plus size but I do own a young maven big t in a size three very What's comfortable that? i have to look this up it's like a striped mine's striped but they come in plain colors it's a hemp it's a hemp t-shirt it's a large hemp t-shirt and it smells so bad that i now soak it like i've started having to 
add vinegar to my wash cycles because I just like I just wear it yeah I like spill coffee on it it like for some reason the fabric doesn't hold coffee super well which is very advantageous it's a person constantly spilling on herself uh so big tees and then I have a pair of ray checkered pajamas and I like really am going into like a Winnie the Pooh phase with them where I wear arc (laughs) underwear on bottom and then a ray checkered pajama top and it's like a crop like it's like a tiny little checkered top and that's like 90% what I what I wear and so because I do work influencing and things like that people are like share more of your day to day and it's just like me pantsless hunched over a computer yes exactly like an old shirt or a pajama top that I also definitely will then wear as clothes with bike shorts later in my day so I feel and understand all of this very deeply (laughs) (laughs) I've been wearing a lot of old navy sweatpants like the thing is the thing with with fast fashion clothes is that once you wear them to death there's nothing to do with them you know what I mean yeah like nicer clothes like more I mean usually more ethically made clothes or clothes even that are made of a nicer fabric you can kind of do something with the fabric afterwards yeah you know what I mean yeah but like it's pretty hard to do when like we were talking about the I mean I wouldn't do anything with my old underwear but like the same the same thing happened with my old navy sweatpants where I was just like I've been wearing these old navy sweatpants with my <laughs> with my ratty ass see-through underwear and a Guy Fieri shirt for the <laughs> I want so much more information about the Guy Fieri shirt because it's either a shirt with his face on it or you found a button-up flame shirt uh and tiny sunglasses and you just are slowly no. becoming okay. Guy Fieri I will link this in the in the show notes <laughs> as if I'm as if I'm promoting it That's but i'm the, not like the only fashion will be linked is a guy fieri and the guy fieri store well he was doing some sort of fundraiser a while ago for like people affected by covid or something so i bought a shirt and it says like um what does it say what's his what's his land what's it called like what's his his whole thing okay i'm just gonna pull it up and link it to you while we're talking uh, so you can see dine-ins it. diving yes. divers dine-ins and dives is that it's just yes but it's just that it's that it's a shirt that instead of the hollywood sign it says flavor town oh yeah 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 okay yeah Great. so i wear that a lot and <laughs> i also have worn to death a shirt from a radio station that a former boss i had gave me because she didn't want it any you know what i mean i've just been wearing garbage clothes so like <laughs> you know yeah yeah, like, yeah how do you transition out of garbage clothes into yeah. clothes that aren't garbage especially when i'm like ready to invest in stuff but like i'm a little wary because for example like i, I spent like four months before i made the arc decision because i was like 45 bucks for a pair of underwear it's got to be good fucking underwear it is yeah. good fucking underwear but it better be yeah. you know what I mean so and you can't return it so like there's and a lot of stuff used like that so I was like okay I'm wanting to make smart decisions but I have a lot to make right now because half of my clothes I just want to I need to get rid of you know 
Yeah. So I'm going to presume your question is, of starting from a place of nothing, where do we go? Yeah. What's the state of ethical plus size fashion in 2021 coming out of pandemic, sort of? It's not over yet, but sort of coming out in some places. Where would you start if your people are feeling like me, maybe change sizes? I outgrew most of my pants and have to get yeah. all new pants. Like, what? where would you start? Okay. Here's the advice I would give anyone that is like, I need new clothes. Start by making a list of where you plan to wear those clothes. Because mm. I think that often we buy things based on what we see other people wearing. And I have no idea what they do all day. And maybe that clothing works perfectly for their lives and might be an absolute train wreck for mine. So Smart. the first thing I would do is I would say, like, what does a week look like? Am I going to an office? Because if you work in an office, your clothing needs, your like immediate clothing needs are going to be very different than if you're still going to be working from home. So start by making that delineation and then go like, okay, when I go out with my friends, we we usually eat at casual places. We eat at fancy places. We eat at like, what is your, what would be three outfits you could wear multiple times in a week? And then focus on finding things for those pieces. Because like this already feels more approachable as a task. This is great. I think a lot of people look for pieces based on lists instead of looking for pieces based on what clothes they actually are going to wear. And I think it's because we were taught to buy clothing in a way that is obviously unsustainable and and driven from a place of consumption where like if you only go to a fancy dinner party once a month, you need at least five fancy dinner party outfits because you can never wear the same fancy dinner party outfit again. When in reality it's like, no, just where are you actually wearing your clothing? Let's start with buying clothes clothing for that before looking at all of these like once in six months pieces you might need to buy maybe yes and so I would say like make a list of the actual clothing that you actually need right away and then from that list go where like one what is roughly my budget for clothing and two what are pieces that I am confident I can find in fast fashion that I know are going to serve my body well and maybe start with getting those pieces first so you can take the time to maybe only buy a couple ethically made pieces because uh, we've assessed this. They're more expensive. Yes. They're a bigger investment. So instead of trying to rush into high price purchases, maybe figure out your basic needs first and start there and then go like, cool, I know that I need like I don't know, a nice blouse for whatever blouse purposes. What are some ethical brands I like? Maybe that's the like big expensive investment I'm going to do this this season. Maybe I'm only buying two ethical fashion pieces per season. So it's like a total of four or five a year than really choosing ones that feel like you'll either wear them a lot and they'll be immediately useful or they're really special and you need a special piece in your closet. I think that that would be like focusing on the function of clothing is often the place I start when I look at buying something, even if I'm looking at impulse buying something. Cause then I'm like, am I like, I love this dress. It's so cute. I know I'm going to need to take my breasts into place to wear it because there's absolutely (laughs) no way I could wear a bra. uh, And I will never buy a strapless bra ever again. Cause it's just (laughs) like buying a really shitty expensive belt by the end of the night. So do I like this dress enough to tape my tits into place? And then that will inform whether or not you should buy that dress. Like I just, I think so often we come at clothing from from an aspirational lifestyle perspective. And like I have bought so many dresses that like as an ethical fashion influencer and writer and all of these things, it's like, it's embarrassing to admit, but like I've bought 
garments to wear to a New York like rooftop party. I live in rural Canada. Why do I own that dress? Yeah. Where do you where do I think I'm going to wear it? <laughs> and why did I buy something that was expensive that I can't wear right away and that I will likely outgrow or my body will change before I get anywhere close to 30 wears of that garment. And so I mean, like, it honestly makes sense to me that because we've been taught fat people have been taught all our lives to be aspirational about, you know, by the thing that you'll work to fit into by, yes. you know, and also a lot of us have scarcity mindset yeah. because you find something that just fits yeah. and then you're like, okay, I better buy it. You know, the question of do I like this doesn't even come up as a fat person. And for years, uh, that was very true. And that also led me to hold on to clothes that didn't fit me anymore, which is this other thing of like, now I have a rule. If something doesn't fit me for more than a year, I either have to sell it, donate it, or like I have like a small trunk of clothes that are like very special that I would say are like heirlooms that I'm like, oh, this will never fit me. But if any people in my family have children that are interested in these clothes, I would like, I would like like to have some of those clothes to like pass down yes, pass on but I get one trunk and so I have to be like so picky about it because it's it's this idea that like if I get rid of clothing that once fit me I'll never find clothing that will fit me again and the yeah. reality is if you look at the landscape of plus size fashion yes there have been like attrition of huge big box stores and things like that but if you look at the availability of sizes in fashion full stop there is more clothing now than there was the last time you tried to buy clothing. And so it's it's trying to be like, it makes sense. I have a scarcity mindset about clothing, but it's also not rooted in the reality we live in now. And it's unfair to hold myself to this place that isn't necessarily the experience I'm going to have now. And it's okay to have those feelings, but it's also, for me, it makes getting dressed really hard if my closet is full of things I can't wear. Whereas if it's full of things I want to put on, it's easier for me to pick an outfit. It's easier for me to grab something if I'm in a rush. It's easier for me to wait 10 minutes before a Zoom call starts by sitting semi-naked on my couch and then frantically running and grabbing something because I'm confident whatever I grab will fit on my body. Yes. I think also for me, a lot of it's tied up in my like ADHD too. And like, it's very hard for me to, clothing and clothes are like hard for me to keep clean, hard for me to keep track of, hard for me to stay on top of. And then adding in the like past trauma from all all the trauma that fat people have, you know, every fat person has trauma around clothes. And then also, I think for me and a lot of other people, money is also wrapped up in it where you feel regret about buying things that you didn't wear. You feel like I should hold on to it until I use it. I have, you know, blah, 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 all those things. So it's it's pretty – it's – it's a complicated thing to do. Every time I do that, every time I get rid of a bunch of clothes, well, first of all, as many fat people have, I've changed sizes so many times, yeah. bigger, smaller, both ways. You know what I mean? Yeah. That even though I know it's better to get rid of clothes and get new ones that fit my actual body, it's so hard to do that. Even though I know, even though I would tell other people to do that, the voice still comes up that's like, but what if you change sizes, then you don't have anything to wear. And I'm like, well, I'm fine. I, if worse comes to worse, I can go to Walmart and get a pair of pants. You know what I mean? Like, again, yeah. I'm okay. But it's hard. But that's that's been – I've been realizing that, that that it is still there, especially, I think, because I have to buy pants, which are, like, the scariest things to oh, buy. A, a true 
true nightmare. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think that those scarcity feelings often come up from situations that they were like, I still have scarcity feelings about having formal dresses. That's yeah. like a, that's a, oh, God. a void in my heart always because I remember being underdressed at events or being underdressed at situations where I was supposed to dress formally because like, there yeah. was no store I could go to. There is, and they're like where I live. There's still not really any places, especially if I'm trying not to shop fast fashion. That like I could walk into and buy something and leave and then wear it yes. within 24 hours. Like exactly, my clothes cycle is like I expect clothing in two weeks to to two months is like yeah. the expediency at which I'm able to consume things. And so I think that that's like a very different experience for a fat person. Whereas I just don't think thin people have that same fear and trauma of like, what if I'm last minute invited to a wedding that a wedding that yeah. was not going to happen is now happening because the pandemic restrictions are being lifted. What the fuck am I going to wear? And- exactly. Or even smaller stuff. Like, I mean, I, personally, I am very confident going to almost any pool now. You know what I mean? But there were points where I didn't feel that way. And I would feel like, what if I need this one cover up from Torrid that I've never actually worn? Because what if I get invited to a party and then I'm not confident enough and then I need to wear it? And it's like, I never fucking wore that. Yeah. You know? (laughs) Yeah. But I needed it there for a while, which is fine. I mean, I personally have found a lot of help in the, like, silly a little bit, but it very much works. The Marie Kondo thing of being like, thank you and goodbye to close. Yeah. Yeah. It actually helps me a lot, I feel like, because then I'm like, you know, it helps with the part where I feel regretful about spending money. It helps with the part where I feel regretful about letting something sit in my closet. I just say, thank you for being here when I needed you. And now I don't need you anymore. And that really helps. And it gives emotional closure. And I think that we often expect clothing to not carry emotional weight, but it always does. It does. Because it's a component of our identity. Like how you dress is how you want the world to see you for better or for worse. And I say for better or for worse because the for worse is when you can't find clothing that reflects how you want the world to see you, but you still have to go out into the world. And so you are dressed in a way that doesn't feel congruous to how you view yourself and how you dress is often your first impression on a person which is just like across the board for fat people so unfair because it's so much harder for us to find clothing so much harder for us to find clothing that feels beautiful and natural to us and it's exactly how we're going to be judged on our first immediate introduction to someone so all of that is already so tied into this emotional response and then we want to treat clothing like it's not an emotional purchase like it's not an emotional component to our identity and it is and so I think like thanking and saying goodbye to clothing and appreciating like thank you for being an emotional support piece for me even if I never actually needed you it meant so much that you were here does sound like a really holistic way to move forward it has been helpful for me because it it acknowledges what I'm actually upset about, which is not really the piece of clothing. You know what I mean? It's like the fear and the like things that I waited for and all that stuff, you know? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it also is the second half of it of like, well, if I'm getting rid of clothing, I'm probably going to have to replace it with something. And so now I'm putting myself back into this situation of having yes. to spend money, of having to find something, of having to uh, subject myself to the emotional exhausting experience that is shopping uh, as a fat person. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I want to know what you think, like right now, if somebody is just meeting you for the first time, if I don't, I don't know who's not following you, but if somebody <laughs> listening to you, is it following you? Like what would be something that you have been sharing about recently that you feel like has been exciting or important for you? What do you want to tell people is going on right now? Um, I think what's been really exciting and important for me is trying to break down the way we talk about ethical and sustainable fashion as a pass-fail involvement and not just talking about it as a like, how do I make my closet 5% more ethical or sustainable? Where I'm at with the budget I have for people that might never ever be able to afford ethical and sustainable fashion. How do I still participate in the fashion revolution? How do I find a way to care more about who makes my clothes or caring for my clothes than maybe the way I was raised to care about clothing and how do I get involved with where I'm at versus making it this like financially inaccessible honestly like privilege show off point yeah that like I think the ethical and sustainable fashion community like really needs a makeover from the standpoint of like accessibility because right now it is a very privileged space, financially privileged space, body privileged space, white affluent community of people that just like really want to focus in on how everyone's doing a bad job instead of viewing it as like a community collective of cool, what, what is your budget? Where are you at? How can we improve what you're doing with very little effort by just like a little bit and what does that look like um and how do we refocus ethical and sustainable uh conversations to no longer be rooted in financial privilege yeah i love that i mean i think following you and following aja barber who i have followed for like yeah yeah i've been so excited to see her like rise we were friends on we were online friends from like binders days and then she got this whole platform which is so cool but following both of you i've noticed like both of you put a lot more pressure on the like people making it you know she talks a lot about like the big companies. And I remember a while ago, she was talking about like some of the big environmental fashion, like conferences and stuff that were Mm -hmm. happening, which is part of the reason I enjoy following you both. Because a lot of times I feel like a lot of ethical fashion 
posts I see are like very much pressuring the individual consumer to do all of it. And it makes a lot more sense to me to come at it the way you do. And also I start to feel climate changey about it if it's <laughs> not that way. You know what I mean? I feel yeah. like I start to feel like, well, what the fuck am I supposed to do? Like I, I ha- you know what I mean? Like I, there's Walmart and Target and then there's this tiny little store I want to – it starts to feel overwhelming, If you know what I mean? Yeah. I think one of the, like, uh, clearest examples of this is right now H&M is, like – and they're notorious for this. They burn so much clothing. So yeah. much. Because they uh, they so grossly overproduce the amount of clothing that it is, like, cheaper and through slave labor and – through the cheapest means possible that it is cheaper for them to burn it and mark it as a loss than it is for them to just make less clothing which is ultimately what needs to happen and the reason it's cheaper for them to burn it is there's no uh, regulations in a large-scale way that financially punish them in like a huge amount to make it so they're no longer incentivized to do that if they are grossly making too much clothing there was the pay up campaign where it was looking at all of these huge multi-million billion dollar corporations that weren't paying garment workers because of the pandemic and so suddenly they like were trying to cut orders that were already partially made and all of these garment workers weren't paid and so I think that like yeah absolutely as individuals there are small choices we can make that do make a difference and I think they make a difference in supporting and sustaining brands and businesses that are trying whatever that might look like but at the end of the day like all of that is irrelevant if there isn't government oversight changing if there aren't strict regulations being put on these businesses that essentially can do whatever they want right now. And until that changes, I think on a micro level, like the individual consumer choices just aren't big enough to shift corporate accountability. And also it's expecting every consumer to have the same uh, resources, whether that's money or time or access. Uh, And it's just like, it's never going to happen. A person making minimum wage is never going to be, and like never is a strong word, but like it's very unlikely they will be able to buy ethical fashion, even just a single garment of ethical fashion. Well, why would that be their priority for somebody who makes minimum wage, you know? Why would it be their priority? And also, why are we expecting a person living below the poverty line to pay someone else a livable wage when they are not being paid a livable wage? Like it's a real, and it's, I think, very clever that corporations have really pushed it on the consumer to be responsible for these changes when it's just not feasible. It's like it's illogical and changes need to happen in government and changes need to happen from a corporation standpoint. And those changes will only happen if they're legally required to make those changes and if there's oversight being put on those things. So yeah, I very strongly agree with that. And I think that one of the places that's really... is when you learn about how your clothing is made, you learn about the conditions at which fast fashion is made. I understand the emotional response to that of being like, I don't want to be participating in forced slavery in other countries. And also feeling trapped because there is no way you can spend, you know, $60 on a t-shirt. And it just like, it sucks that that is the way the narrative has been shaped. When in reality, like a person living paycheck to paycheck, it is not their responsibility to fix the way capitalism has made fashion one of the leading contributors to climate change, pollution, and human rights abuses. Like it's just... 
you can and you can absolutely care about the working conditions of other people and care about the harm that fast fashion causes while also still having to support it and i think that like as a person that like i have worked in ethical and sustainable fashion i think that i am a leader within those spaces especially at the intersection of size inclusion and ethical fashion and i am telling you if you need to buy fast fashion because that is what you can afford or because your body changes sizes or because that's the best type of clothing to fit your needs please buy clothing and wear clothing because people living paycheck to paycheck are not the same people buying 10 new items every week and contributing in the way that is actually the most harmful for our planet you are just trying to fill your needs please fill your needs please don't feel guilty doing that and there are other ways you can get involved or care about these issues if you have space to do so that that don't require you to quite literally buy into the movement i think that's very well said I mean, there's just so much. Like, I, <laughs> there was some episode I watched on Netflix of some show. I think it's called Dirty Food. And one of the episodes was basically about how anytime you get like pre peeled garlic at the store, it's like being pre peeled in like Chinese prison camps, basically. Oh. And now I think about that anytime I buy anything like pre done at the grocery store. Um, but it's that same thing where I'm like, well, what the fuck am I supposed to do? I mean, I can buy the regular garlic and peel it myself, but I'm not confident that that is not like using the labor of like underpaid migrant worker, you know, blah, 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 blah. So I really, for me, I find them, I feel the most centered when I make sure that I'm not placing all of the, all of the work that I want to do on my consumer choices. And instead, if I think about something like that, I'm going, okay, maybe I need to make it a list, make it a priority on my list this month to, you know, research what the, um, what my congressperson is doing for labor laws and like write them an email, blah, 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 and try to work on it structurally as well. You know? Yeah. And like same is true of fashion stuff is like to try to help with it or like get involved in like local stuff because anytime I can remember that it's not actually my fault for being an individual consumer, which is literally the way that the companies have made it seem. Well, because it benefits them. Yeah. If I'm worried about that, then I'm not going to be doing other bigger actions, you know? Yeah. A hundred percent. And it also removes culpability. And it it redirects the focus from the terrible things they're doing to the uninformed, lazy consumer, which is like, what a convenient way to not make any changes as a business, right? Like, what a fantastic way to keep blaming the working class for just trying to get by and not solving every problem humanly imaginable while also trying to, like, keep food on their table and a roof over their head in one of the most unstable financial times I mean, how many recessions has our generation been through already? So like, many. Yes. <laughs> yes. How much debt exactly. do we collectively have? If, and I say if, I mean, climate change is is a massive problem that we need to fix very quickly. It is not individual consumers that are struggling to put food on their table no. that are going to be able to solve it. And like, that's a thing that's like, it's very hard to to struggle with. And also being like, as an individual consumer, I do feel passionate that there are small things that I can do that can help. But ultimately, like, it's probably not going to be enough. And so we have to start figuring out what the bigger things look like. Totally. Are there bigger things that you're aware of right now that you are supportive of or want people to get involved in by any chance? 
It's okay if no. No, I would say really look into the pay up campaign. I can send you a link for that after the interview. I think that that's like a really important one to keep in mind. I think just increasing your level of literacy around uh, greenwashing and brands saying things are ethical when they're not. And for me, the thing that I have subscribed to for the longest is the 30 wears challenge, which is basically anytime I buy a piece of clothing, am I going to wear this 30 times? Am I tracking it? Am I really considering it? To kind of loop back a little bit to your first question of like, how do I decide what to buy for my wardrobe? One thing I find really helpful is like, what if I bought this uh, like item X, could I make four outfits with it right now with the exact things I have in my closet? Because that's also been a challenge for me where I'll be like, well, I'll buy this because I'll buy these two other things and then I'll have Mm. an outfit instead of being like, well, if it really is something that's fitting into my closet and fitting nicely into things I already own, if I buy it, I should be able to wear it four different ways right away. Am I able to do that? So just like starting to shift your mind around consumption, but in terms of bigger stuff, yeah, the Pay Up campaign is a great one. Uh, Aja Barber, since we've been talking about her, she has a book coming out right away. And I can't oh wait to read it. And I can't wait to learn from her because she is just like, she is so smart and so talented and so unafraid to say like, these brands are garbage, do better. Yes, And I think that that's a, the type of narrative we need to be hearing more and we need to be like personally committing to more. That's so exciting. We will link all of Aja's stuff in the show notes. Two things before we go. First thing is, can you just tell me something that you're like a piece of clothing you're excited about or a trend or look or style? Something something fun. What's fun going on right now? Okay. Well, I just finished writing a piece about Y2K fashion, which was very <laughs> fun and very hard and like – Here's my like low key argument for why we should be excited about Y2K fashion returning again. As like yeah, tell me why. a millennial who went to school, like I was in high school. I graduated high school 2007. So like junior yeah. high, high school, I was full on you know, like young adult. Okay. First of all, there is more size inclusivity in those same trends. And if you were fat as a younger person, the first time Y2K fashion came out, you might not have actually been able to participate in it at all. So that's really exciting. KS Garner has some fantastic like velvet bell bottom sets that I believe she can do custom sizing on. So that's one piece of it. And then the other part of it is like, I'm looking at it as an exciting do-over because when I was a Y2K teenager I was terrified of my body and I was terrified of how I looked in clothing and Y2K fashion is basically like clothing that's like a wink of clothing it's very skimpy and like very revealing and so I'm very excited that I have the ability to dress as an adult the way I assumed as a teenager I thought I would dress as an adult which is basically (laughs) a character on Sex in the City without the same like body fear I had when I was that age and like mad that I didn't look like Misha Barton because I assumed uh, my body should look like that and it did not. So I'm taking it as a victory lap for all the work I've done over the last 10 years to dismantle my own internalized fat phobia and fat shame and body shame and the opportunity to wear skin tight, really revealing clothing and like really loud chaotic prints. So I'm one, very excited about that. And two, I am taking something from the pandemic of like the freedom to wear bras or not wear bras, which 
which is something that like I have a very large chest. My bra size is a 40 double H and I have worn a bra since I was in grade five because that's when it like became inappropriate in my mind and probably my mother's mind for me to not wear a bra. And so for most of the pandemic, there's no, I was already worrying about like very eminent death. I was not going <laughs> to strap wire to my body. Yeah. And so that's something that I will absolutely be taking from the pandemic and is exciting me about current fashion of like, do I want to wear a bra with that? Being comfortable with what my body looks like when I'm not wearing a bra, which has also opened up the door for like off the shoulder things, strapless yes. things, spaghetti strapped. I'm really liking a like <laughs> ruched or like flocked top where it's like that stretchy whatever because it like uh-huh. gives my boobs a soft amount of structure. It like keeps them loosely in the direction and space they're <laughs> supposed to be going in without being too bossy about it. So that's the other thing I'm really excited about is this like, taking what I learned from pandemic fashion which is comfort softness not feeling like I need to performatively dress and moving that into my post-pandemic wardrobe of like yeah if I want to wear sweatpants to the grocery store I'm just going to now whereas before I like (laughs) didn't want to be the underdressed fat person and now I'm just like nope I'm comfortable everyone's gonna love how comfortable I look and if they don't they can get fucked because I'm comfortable (laughs) and I deserve to be comfortable oh my god so many thoughts first of all as a member of the little titty privilege committee I don't have to worry about bras ever except for I wear bras to create a shape for my boobs because if I don't wear any kind of bra then it just looks like I don't have boobs which is not bad it's obviously it's just not my reality like I'm not trying to flatten my chest you know those ruched tops only work if I wear some sort of bra because or else it just looks like I got two little bee stings I got (laughs) (laughs) going on but I also have I mean to the point I have leaned into being comfy where a couple times recently I've been at Target or at the grocery store and I look to the side and someone's giving me the like fat person in public not dressed up look and I've been like what and then I'm like oh yeah I'm wearing like a you know stained dirty crop top you're gonna and say like- a guy fieri top <laughs> and sweatpants yeah. i was like well okay i guess that's fair <laughs> i'm wearing my garbage clothes you know i want to ask you an honest question good because up until now this has been all lies <laughs> so thank god you said something okay well listen i can come around i can come around to some of this mindset about the y2k but are you really gonna how how are you really gonna feel that way about low-rise jeans okay this is really funny uh, okay, apparently there's like a department that like it, at Vogue that like tries to find things for writers when they're writing because like the piece I'm working on is like going to be shoppable or whatever where it means that like my outfits will like they'll have like examples of things you can buy. Uh, okay, so okay. I made the like sourcing department of Vogue try to find plus size low rise jeans. They don't exist. No okay, one's, good. No one's making them. <laughs> you can buy low rise jeans and straight sizes are smaller but I like from the mouth of Vogue's like fashion hunt people uh, they they couldn't find them because I was like if you find them I'll do it we'll get into it I would never do I mean it's been so funny every conversation I've had with a fat friend and even not fat friends just people who also had eating disorders during that time 
time. Yeah. Like my and other people's reactions to low rise jeans coming back have almost felt violent. Like my feelings have been like, I, I will blow up my this urban outfitters if I have to go. <laughs> you know, like it's just not. Okay. I'm going to say something that's like controversial and I know that like it might it, and this doesn't apply to everyone but this is a thought I had with my response being very negative about low rise jeans am yeah. I mad low rise jeans are coming back or am I afraid that my fat will be more visible in a way that is less palatable than the joy of high rise jeans where like I am given more of an hourglass silhouette my body is contained in a way whereas if I was wearing low rise jeans it would immediately harken back to if I was fat in, or like Y2K and like being told I have a muffin top or being told I have a belly or like the type of clothing that is allowed. Definitely some of it's PTSD, but also I remember pulling them up every other fucking second because my ass crack was showing and I, the shirts weren't long enough in the back and (laughs) then I would be fucking. Yeah, no, it's close for standing. I just like, (laughs) I, I wonder how much of the visceral response is not the annoyance of that, but it's like the fear of what your body would look like in it. Uh, which is what I thought. Oh, for sure. That's definitely part of it, but also just the way people acted around it. I mean, it's funny to realize how the teens now, they don't have those associations with it. So they're just like, oh, cute. Whereas I'm like, oh, someone's going to bully me. Exactly. (laughs) Yes, that that feeling. But I am fairly confident no one is trying to make plus size low rise jeans yet, but like maybe someone (sighs) will. And also like maybe that's great if that's what someone wants. I do, I am not opposed to the idea of like a mid or high rise wide leg denim that's like a trouser denim and that's also part of what's coming back I would do that and and again when I was exploring Y2K it was like it's not necessarily replicating it like perfectly but it's like what's the small thing that I might like and how can I try it again yeah so that's the thing so would I buy low rise jeans no would I try them on just to know what they look like on my adult body now yes absolutely because I'm just like I'm so curious I mean if they fit it would be a whole different story because the main thing is I I will lead the I will fight I'll get my suit of armor and a lance to never have to see another fat preteen wearing like low rise jeans underneath their tummy do you know what I mean that was like the word when we could only buy pants when they didn't fit over your tummy and you had to buy them so that they fit underneath your tummy and I would see people do that with a big sweatshirt yeah and that is the fucking worst I don't want anyone to ever have to do that again I think that there's enough backlash that no one's gonna force you to wear low rise jeans (sighs) You can sleep soundly at night. Oh, my God. (laughs) But I also saw an article. I've been reading so many articles, and, like, the whale tail gene combo is low-key back. And I'm just like, no. Yep, it absolutely is. I can't do that. I'm I'm like, we've discussed this. We're all on Team Arc. You can absolutely see my underwear. It's going to (laughs) be thick and beautifully colored. And none of it's going to be like, wow, that is sexy. Like, it's going to be like... Again, I want people to look at me and be like, bitch looks comfortable. Good for her. Yeah. <laughs> like, but like you're not going to have a yeast infection, which is sounds a yeah. lot sexier than, Honestly, you know. Honestly, yes. <laughs> so 
Oh. Okay, let's just wrap up by having you give people a little preview. I mean, this is pretty much been a preview, but if people wanted to know the difference between your Instagram and your Patreon, uh, what would that be? Patreon makes me so happy and is the best work I do. <laughs> it, Patreon is the ability for me to talk to like under a thousand people versus 50,000 people, which gives me the yeah. safety and freedom to have conversations that are more thoughtful and more nuanced and more complicated. I talk more about my personal life. I talk more about my own experiences that I'm working through I'm able to talk about what it's like to have a large platform dealing with harassment um, that kind of stuff I am able to give tailored responses I do something every month called office hours where if people have questions they can ask me their questions and I will sit and spend a full day replying to them I create lists of things I buy I give reviews on any gifted clothing that I get that are private to patreon I do audio affirmations for folks to listen to if that's a type of medium they prefer prefer everything I create is subtitled or has text options so you can read the things I'm working on I write like a monthly newsletter like a like a letter from the editor every month I create seasonal playlists it's just like it's so much night it's so nice and makes me so happy and is a space where like my entire focus is am I giving information and resources to folks that benefits them the most in a way that just like doesn't get to exist on Instagram because it's just like it's creating content on mass for a volume of people that is unsustainable whereas on patreon i can really spend my time and just like dig in so much deeper and give so much more depth to the work i'm doing that like instagram just doesn't support or doesn't offer so patreon is the best thing i do i love it i started my patreon a little over a year and a half ago and without a doubt it is the best decision i've ever made as a, a content creator or as a person on the internet and and uh, if you like any of this conversation, follow me on Instagram and please consider supporting me on Patreon. I have different tiers for different income levels, including a tier that's $2 a month if uh, that's all you can afford. So yeah, that's Patreon. Yes, <laughs> I would take that sales pitch. I realized when you were saying earlier about like, you should make a plan for like what things you want to wear. I was like, well, I know that one thing that will make me feel less overwhelmed about getting new clothes is I'm just, I should just re up my subscription to your Patreon now that I'm online again. So I'm going to subscribe to you and, and Aja because that's going to be a great way for me to think about building up my wardrobe again. So join me. Maybe you'll see me in some of Marielle's office hours. Yes, please. And ask me like if you're like, the thing I've decided I need first is a jumpsuit. Ask me and I will personally select things that I thought might work for you. Yay. No, I need pants. I need wide-legged pants. That's what I need. And just if you were going to think about that and recommend something for me, just wondering, just off the top of your head, just wondering because you know way more than I do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I would say if you want elastic waist, which might be better if your body weight fluctuates more. I mean, Alana Cole, Nettles Studio, or Nettles, yeah, Nettles Studio. Do you follow I'm them? writing this down. I would definitely check out Nettles Studio. They're based out of San Francisco, I believe. They uh, will do custom hem length because I know you're shorter, which would be a good fit for you yeah. they do linen I think they do a denim wide leg pant they'll do a custom waist measurement if that's what you need they are oh, two lovely uh, women owned business and also yeah the price point is like for ethical fashion it's expensive but it's not as expensive as some other ethical fashion brands look at you Marielle dress 
So cute. Oh, yeah, and I made a dress with them this year, specifically made to be worn without a bra. So all of the photography on the dresses features images in a bralette and, like, a proper bra with, like, underwire and then ah. without a bra because we specifically made a dress so that if you have a large chest, you can still go braless in it without, oh like, God, your boob escaping out the side. Yeah, so I would check them out because you could get, like, a really cute linen set. And I would also say that if you're planning on buying a wide-leg linen pant, to ask them to throw in a few fabric scraps so if if you ever burn through the fabric because of your thighs rubbing together, you can easily patch them with the fabric that is uh. correct to the pant so they'll last even longer. You are so smart. Wow. I look at this good advice. You need to sign up for this Patreon for. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the show. It's always a joy to talk to you, my friend. And I appreciate your wisdom and your beauty. I've just been looking at your eyeshadow that you've matched to your dress this whole time. You look so cute. And your little kitty that was sitting on your lap. Just stan you. I like standing my friends. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. This has uh, long been a dream. And I'm so grateful to be part of the final season of the podcast. This season, we're doing a big sister mailbag for our patrons every Friday. We're answering questions like, how would you define adulthood? Which is an actual little sister question that my little sister asked me yesterday. Oh my god. I mean, maybe it's kind of like porn, you know? It's like if you, you'll know it when you see it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. The answer, what I told her was that, I, so I'm 24, so I'm very, still very much a young adult, but I defined it as like, I just live my life and play my little games and read my little books and do my little things. And then every once in a while, I have to like take my car in to get serviced yeah. or do groceries. And then I have like the realization that I'm an adult and I have to do these things. <laughs> but for the most part, I like don't feel like a grown up. Oh, I feel like turning 30, I I have transitioned. I finally feel more like a grown up now than I did all my 20s, but I'm sure I will feel more like that later. I think part of it is literally just like getting used to all the crap you have to do as an adult. Like yeah. I feel like most of your 20s is just getting used to everything you have to do. Yes, that's annoying. That's what I'm going like this week in particular. There's like five different things that I have to do that are just like miscellaneous adult tasks. And I'm like, I don't understand how people have time to do them. Like how do people have time to go to work and then also feed themselves and then also do all of this in one day? I don't don't. understand. You can't. You can't get everything done. It's impossible. The 40-hour work week is unrealistic. And I don't know anyone who only works 40 hours anyways, really. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe adulthood is like instead of doing things because your parents tell you to, you start doing them because the parent voice in your head Mm -hmm. tells you to. Or like you realize that if you don't do it, nobody else is going to do it. So you have to. And then you're like. Oh, I see why I have to do this yes. now. This is really annoying. I don't know. I think like, I mean, I also feel like a lot of adulthood is like, I mean, I really think most of my 20s, I don't even know that I felt like a real adult, a, like especially the first half. I felt very much like a teenager adult. Mm. You know what I mean? It's just you have to go through so much stuff to figure out what you want from your adulthood. And I'm still even figuring it out. But I do think that like it's both adulthood is both like the book stops with you, which is good and bad. Yes, for sure. That's my answer. <laughs> if you liked hearing us big sisters answer your question, join us on 
Patreon at Team Paisley Moo Moo or above to hear full mini-sodes every Friday. And that's the episode. This is a reminder that we have a voicemail box at 213-375-5023 and we want to hear from you. You can call in with questions, concerns, and fat fashion tips, and we might even play your message on the pod. So we got a really sweet Apple podcast review from user Shelege with three J's. (laughs) They say, this show is so funny and healing. I love hearing about fatness and fat people in our own voices. I love going through older seasons and hearing the chemistry between Soph and April, but the newer seasons also give me so much joy and such feelings of content. I love that each episode we are challenged to make society better in a small way. This podcast is love. Thank you to everyone who has been a part of it. Can someone tell me the episode where Hannah is explained? LOL. <laughs> this is like the number one question I get from people. And I always have to be like, I I don't think we explained it. It was just when Victor was editing us for like the three episodes my boyfriend Victor edited <laughs> us. And we got we were trying to anonymize people. So we chose Hannah because we got like three letters from different people named Hannah. We were like, everyone's Hannah. And then Victor edited it. So it was always the same clip going, Hannah, before (laughs) a letter. And then just everyone who wrote in was called a Hannah. That's pretty much it. It was just to protect people's anonymity. Uh, not, Not anything else. But I never know how to explain that. I've had people ask me that. And then I'm just like, um... We we were just made it up. <laughs> when I first started listening, and like I, it took me like four episodes to realize that the Hannah thing was a thing, and that it wasn't just coincidentally tons of people named Hannah. Hannah sending in stuff. Other people have told me that too. Yeah, I learned a lot about um what I need to do to set things up clearly in the lore. Even like <laughs> having you read this, read like the top's tales with me. I I even even with this, I'm always like. Do we need to drop in again that Yelly's the junior producer and she's doing top stales? Just because I'm like, well, I didn't explain crap. I'm I can't believe people get through this podcast <laughs> without knowing what's going on. I'm no idea. Oh, oh gosh. Okay. <laughs> Oops. Thank you so much to you, this Apple Podcast review writer. You're also a Hannah. If you want to leave or an H, depending on how you identify. If you want to leave a legacy of reviews for me to cry over on the toilet long after SAF ends, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. As always, shout out to our patrons. Thank you to yours truly, Melly, Angie Ungaro, Hannah Emk, Savannah Hall, MJ Van Steenberg, Becky Vrebel, Emily McLaughlin, Bonnie Dawson, KC, and Kathy Wheelgoss. We could not make the show without you. She's All Fat was created by me, Sophie Carter-Kahn, and April K. Quio, who graduated. We are an independent production. If you'd like to support the work we do, you can join our Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash she's all fat pod. When you pledge to be a supporter, you'll get all sorts of goodies and extra content. Please make sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It's super important in making sure people find the show so we can grow the family. Be sure to check out the show notes for links to the stuff we mentioned today. And don't forget to send us your questions at fyi at she'sallfatpod.com. You can also leave us a voicemail at 213-375-5023 and we might even play it on the pod. Our episode ads are done in partnership with Acast. If you're interested in sponsoring the show, you can get started at acast.com. Our theme music was composed and produced by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs. Our website was designed by 
by Jesse Fish, and our logo is by Hannah Sanger. Lynn Barbera co-produced and edited this episode. Yelly Cruz is our magical junior producer. Our thin crony forever is Maria Vertel. I'm our host and co-producer. Our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter handles are at She's All Fat Pod. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Stay safe. We love you. 